You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Fala, meus mafia. Fernando Chimuti com mais um Leading the Charge no Buffalo Rumblings. E hoje com o prazer de contar com a participação do Matt Parino aí, que cobre os Bills lá em Buffalo, né? Cobre lá para o Syracuse.com. É, vai ser uma, um, uma honra aí poder trocar uma ideia legal com o Messi, trazer ele, introduzir ele à Biosmáfia brasileira, ele que já tem um contato aí com os brasileiros, né? A gente vai conversar um pouco sobre isso. Como vocês já estão acostumados, quando eu tenho é, convidado aí estrangeiro, né? Então, 30, 40 minutos trocando uma ideia com o Messi aí, e aí depois, os últimos 20 minutos, vou usar em português para traduzir um pouco da conversa aí, os principais pontos, e, e interagir com a galera no chat. Fica à vontade para mandar perguntas. É, e para interagir aí no chat também vai ser bem legal. Matt, thanks so much for for uh, being here today. It's a, a a pleasure to have you today, man. Thank you so much, and I'm sure Bills Mafia here in Brazil is excited to have you today. Welcome to the Leading the Charge show. A quick, okay, now it's working. <laughs> I said. Obrigado to you, my friend. Thank you so much for having me awesome. uh, yeah. on the show. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I followed you for many years now. I'm I'm coming up on my five years since coming back to Buffalo and joining the beat. Um, so it's cool to uh, chop it up a little bit with you. Yeah, awesome, man. Awesome. It's it's always been a, a awesome to follow your job and how you work covering the bills. Uh, no doubt you are the go-to guy. You saw those guys are are the go-to guys for us to. To have all news and to have uh, everything bills related covered. So I want to say, in name of all Brazilian fan base, uh, we appreciate your job very much, and and it's great to have you here today to talk some bills with us. Yeah, man. I um, I've met so many different Bills fans um, since I started on the beat, and obviously growing up in Buffalo around the team and the organization, um, the community. Um, but a couple of buddies that uh, from Brazil uh, that I met, uh, Bernardo, uh, yeah. Alberto, a couple of the other guys that come up for one game a year. Um, I, I, every time they come up, I, I try to make it a point to uh, catch up with them. And so, man, I love uh, Brazilian Bills Mafia, man. It's, uh, it's a great part of the fan base. Yeah, man. We are really uh, a loyal fan base because most of us, Uh, became Bills fans in the 90s. So it's been a long period of the drought and all those hard times. But nowadays things are getting better and we stayed loyal. So I, I guess we we deserve this better period right now, just like uh, Buffalo people. And so we've, we, you were talking about you've been covering the Bills for five years now, like on the yeah. beach. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was just going to ask you about how... How did it happen? How how did you meet Bernardo? And I read that that article that you wrote, oh, amazing job. And and I think Bernardo could represent all of us there, all mm -hmm. of us Brazilian people who love the Bills. And unfortunately, 
uh, it's not so easy for most people down here to be able to go to Buffalo, watch a right. game. It's expensive, right. and, and, and Buffalo isn't the easiest place yeah. to go in the U.S., right? Yeah. So we have easy. It's correct. That is Maybe correct. it's easy to go to Miami, but it's not easy to go to Buffalo. So Bernardo yes. can be there once a year. And how did it happen to meet him and to, to have this idea of, of writing an article about it, actually? So um, he had, he had, for a long time, Bernardo was, you know, engaging with a lot of my content on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and we would talk back and forth. And then finally, uh, one day he, he DM me uh, a few days before he was going to be in town um, for a game. And he said that he stays with uh, somebody that lives in Buffalo here, uh, a doctor, um, when they come to town and, and they kind of have a party, him, uh, Alberto, Bruno, I mean, the whole crew kind of comes out and... Um, so I was like, you know what, let's meet up at one of the wing joints in town. Yeah. And I'd love to just talk to you about your journey. Cause you're right. It is different. Like this voyage that they go on every year or, or most years to try to go to a bills game and they make it like a whole experience. They not only go to a bills game in Buffalo, but they try to do like a bills game in Buffalo. And then like the next week's road game, if that ends up being yeah. the case, uh, they went to New York city last year, uh, after, after the bills game. So, um, we hung out. I actually, my son was with me. So I took them over to um, their family's house, and it was on. It, it was really a cool, cool night. Just got to know them a little bit, experience just like the excitement that they had for the the game day experience. I mean, I'm so used to being in the building and 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 watching all of it up close, but when you only get a chance to do it a few times a year, even for season ticket holders that are that go to seven, eight, nine, ten games a year, it becomes just kind of like your house, right? Like when you walk mm -hmm. in there, everything is the same, like the, the food that you eat, the drinks that you buy and like the people that you sit next to. But for them coming to these are, are this like just special experiences and getting to hear the enthusiasm about it and how they even came to be and how they met um, the, the American family here that ended up, you know, becoming close. Uh, the members of their family went to Brazil and, you know, they, they were, uh, they were in uh, Bernardo's wedding. It was all this, Awesome, awesome stuff. And yeah. um, so I just wanted to, you know, try to do it justice and tell the story. And we become very good friends. I mean, we we talk all the time. He's usually sending me fire hot bills takes in the in, in the WhatsApp WhatsApp uh, uh, text messages. And uh, yeah. awesome. He just had a new baby. Shout out to Bernardo if he's watching. Watch. Yeah. Um abraço aí, Bernardo. Você está acompanhando com certeza. Uh, uh... Just sent a hug to Bernardo here, That's and, awesome. and yeah, he he's a he has some some hot takes sometimes. He's a passionate <laughs> guy, right? <laughs> he is. We need those though. We need those, and I always tease him yeah. on the show. I always yeah, tease him. I, I, recently he said something about Sean McDermott, like just being upset with Sean McDermott. And I, yeah. and I was trying to talk him <laughs> off the ledge a little bit. Like, Hey man, like, and I do this for a lot of bills fans. Like there, you, you really do need to use some perspective. Like when we're evaluating, I, I know it's like wanting to get to the super bowl, win the super bowl and all that, but 17 years without the playoffs, I was just talking about this on the radio locally in town on WGR on Friday. Yeah. Like Sean McDermott, for all of his faults, five playoff appearances in six years, you know, how many playoff games and AFC championship appearance, they've done a lot of good things. Now that's not to say that the expectation shouldn't be high for them moving forward. And, and I, I think they are, but I, I do think it's like, you know, you get close and you start getting antsy and people just start firing off those takes. Yeah, no doubt. He, he usually 
retweets my my commentaries and when he doesn't he when he he disagrees with it he retweets the same way disagreeing and and it's all good man because i think some people get uh takes it it's personally right like right. oh you can disagree with my opinion and things like that but it's all good man we are all rooting for the bills and and it's not because we disagree on some stuff that we need to to have trouble with each other or, or hate each other things like that and and bernardo is all the time like with hot takes and i'm like easy bernardo not so much man no no i'm mad and things like that but it's all good i think we 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 already had some some disagreements about mj and lebron ah so, yes, no, yes. <laughs> so the funny thing about that is though like i argue for lebron all the time because I, I I've grown up with them. And what's funny is people don't realize this. I'm 40 years old. I watched Michael Jordan in the finals, like as a yeah. youngster. And so like, I, I experienced that as well. I don't know, man, for me, they're both just such the epitome of greatness. Like I, I hate arguing against Michael Jordan, but I, then I, on the other <laughs> token, I'd hate arguing against LeBron James. So it's like, Got it's it. kind of a funny conversation. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, and at the end of the day, it's, it's really difficult to compare people from different ages because yes. the game changes and you can't and, and when you start like oh because back in the day like talking football oh back in the day it was harder to pass so if you put Gene Kelly nowadays he would throw for 5000 yards and things like that but all suppositions you can't be sure about stuff you can't be sure about how athletes would adapt to different circumstances and and so it's always tough to 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 have an idea about different eras and that's what makes those discussions really difficult in my opinion yeah football especially too because there's so much that goes into like how good a, an individual is how much talent he's surrounded with right like so comparing yeah. guys through the ages like the peyton mannings to the john elways to the dan marinos to the patrick mahomes like how much are people like really evaluating like all right who had the best offensive line, who had the best group of receivers, who had the best running attack and weighing all those things together. And then there should be some type of formula, right? We're in the PFF age. There's all these metrics for everything. Like we should yeah. have some type of weighted system that, that tells us like spits out a number and tells us who's best. So maybe you could save some of the arguments, but let, to your point earlier, the arguments are what this is all about. It's what makes make what makes it so fun, especially the social media banter. Absolutely. Rafael is here. Rafael is a, a great contributor here in the show. He is always participating in, in Portuguese, and he's a big fan of your Shout podcast. And oh, you just, uh, yeah, you thank just, you. Yes, Hafa is amazing, and you just you just uh, got uh, some recognition for your Shout podcast. Congrats, congratulations, man! From the thank the, you, the award, right? From Syracuse. Yeah, the Syracuse That's Press on. Club does like a yearly yeah. award show, and they named us the best sports podcast. So that was. Really cool. Got a chance to see all the people that I work with because Syracuse is about two hours away from Buffalo. And people, I work for Syracuse.com, but I live in Buffalo because I cover the Bills all mm -hmm. year long. Uh, so I don't get to see a lot of people that I work with out there. So this is a kind of a yearly event. I get to go see a lot of people uh, from the Syracuse Post Standard. And uh, it was a really cool night for Ryan and I yesterday. Awesome. Awesome. So let's start talking some views because that's what people want to hear, right? Indeed. <laughs> we could talk about other stuff all night long, but oh, good. <laughs> uh, so how how excited are you about the additions this year? Uh, we just the views just recently uh, added two more veterans, and mm -hmm. in my opinion, maybe they could have important uh, roles uh, with 
Puna Ford, especially, and Latavius Murray is the running back. How do you see both of them contributing this year? Uh, especially Puna Ford, I think. I think Latavius, maybe, in my opinion, maybe it's more about does Damian Harris uh, work? Can he stay healthy? If not, maybe Latavius have a bigger role. But how do you see those additions to the Bills team? Yeah, so starting with Puna Ford, like, Ever since that things started percolating a couple months ago, like after the first wave of free agency that the Bills were interested in Ford, you know, Ryan and I have talked a lot about it on our show. It's like, okay, this is really exciting for one major reason. Like what happened before they brought Daquan Jones to the Bills? There wasn't really an answer consistently at that one technique role that's allowed other guys to eat on that defensive line and especially at that second level. And so I think what we saw the addition of Jones be for the Bills last year is that opened so many more things up. I mean, when Von Miller was healthy, he was on track for 10-plus sacks. Greg Rousseau, before his injury, on, on pace for 10-plus plus sacks. I think Ford, the addition of him, gives you that second wave of one technique that allows you to, to play the same style at that position. Jordan Phillips isn't as big as he is at 340 pounds. He's not that prototypical one technique. He's not going to get physical, get in there, and like – you know, eat up double teams consistently. He can do it, and at times he's done it well, but it's not something that he's asked to do. He's, he's a really good pass rusher. And so I think what Ford specializes in as a run defender and as a space eater, you can ask him to do some of those, you know, unselfish things and then let other guys on the defensive line eat. And the one guy I'm thinking about with this Ford edition more than anybody else is Ed Oliver. The sack numbers just haven't been there. I can't believe we're sitting here going into year five and we can't talk about one season with five-plus sacks for this guy. Coming out of Houston, that's what everybody was talking about is his ability to cause chaos as a pass rusher on the interior. I think Ford is another piece potentially that if they have a bunch of answers at one tech and can allow Ed Oliver to get a little bit more creative with what you do with him as a pass rusher in a contract year, maybe that finally unlocks him. And I know – Bills fans are, you know, they want to trade him because they don't want to pay him and then, you know, um, or lose him for nothing. But, like, for me, the Oliver conversation around this season is everything's coming up roses for the Bills no matter what happens. Either he just ends up leaving, right, in, in free agency. Uh, maybe he signs, like, a lower-level deal. Maybe he doesn't have that explosive season. Or he does have that explosive season and the Bills re-sign him and then they have an answer at three-tech moving forward. Or he leaves like Tremaine Edmonds and you get back a comp pick and then that money's off your books and you can spend it in other places. I think that there's, you know, Brandon Bean has proven this time and time again. There's a lot of different positive outcomes and sometimes it's the one that you're maybe not thinking the most about that could end up still helping the team in the end. So I think I love the Ford signing on Murray quickly. I think he's right now set up to be the Duke Williams or Duke Johnson role this Duke year. Johnson, yeah. Like I think that you can you could safely get him on the practice squad at 33, and that allows you to keep those other three. And I think at Murray and at his age, you probably want to keep him a little bit fresher for those November and, and December months. But if if things don't work with those top three guys, I think he's a really nice option to kind of get into the mix. But who knows? Maybe he gets in the room picks up Ken Dorsey's offense really quickly. They like what he brings and maybe he's a better compliment to James Cook. And then you're off to the races there. I think what they've done there is given themselves a bunch of different options and whatever one kind of rises to the top with Cook, I think they'll roll with it. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, awesome. And uh, we haven't seen the Bills like uh, using it this way. They rotate the defensive line a lot, but normally we see they changing like the defensive tackle in pairs and keeping... Uh, Oliver with Lotuele in the past, and then Oliver with uh, Daquan Jones recently, right. and then rotating the, in pairs the defensive tackles, or even the entire front four. But can you see in a, in a situation where they might start to use even uh, Puna Ford alongside Daquan Jones on early down, since uh, Bean has hinted in they going in a different direction with their linebackers and maybe going smaller there, maybe with Bernard, or if Dorian can can win the job. Uh, can you see maybe they rotating in a different way, like using Puna and Daquan Jones on rundowns early and keeping Oliver fresh for passing fast rush situations, maybe? I mean, yes and no. Like on one on one hand, I, I like the idea of getting big body guys in there on early downs together. And I think Ford and Jones, I think Jones was a little bit better pass rusher than anybody anticipated last year. So I mm -hmm. think to your point, there's some possibilities there, but I don't think they're going to cut in drastically to Oliver's snap count. Uh, I still think that they probably view him as their most versatile and arguably their best interior defensive lineman. Like I think his run defense actually gets a little bit less love than, than it, it deserves. I think he's been really good at times as a run defender. And when they ask him to play over the ball and you know, kind of take on double teams himself, even despite his his smaller stature. He does a pretty good job with that as well. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't know if you should ask a 290-pound dude to play that role when you got a bunch of 320-plusers just waiting to kind of, you know, fill those gaps. But to your point, like, I think even going back to the second level and then the DBs, like, they, they have to get real creative with how they operate. They have to have a counterpunch now to a lot of what these offenses have done to them the last couple of years. I mean, whether it be Cincinnati last year, in Buffalo, Kansas City, in KC the year before, like the Bills have to have more passing, elite passing game answers for their defense and how they get to that, whether it be changing the scheme a little bit, maybe going to more of a defensive back heavy rotation. Um, maybe playing to your point a little bit smaller at linebacker. I think all things are on the table. I'm, I'm really excited to see how they roll things out at training camp. Everything will be vanilla here over the next couple of weeks at you know yeah. rookie mini camp this week and then uh, OTAs and, and and mini camp uh, in June. But once we get to training camp, we'll get a kind of an idea of maybe what they want to do. Awesome. Uh, take advantage of this point. Uh, and trying to focus a little bit on the linebacker position. How have you seen this situation, Matt, with Edmunds uh, leaving? Obviously, he got paid, but I've been uh, talking about a lot, talking a lot about this situation. Like, if the Bills really saw Edmunds as a, a irreplaceable piece, they could find, they could have found ways to keep him on the roster, even overpaying. But if he's that really 
irreplaceable guy, I believe they would be able to do so. But yeah, even Brandon Bean hinted recently about how oh, Edmonds might be a little too big. Maybe with smaller guys who can run with with receivers sometimes and the slot and things like that. And he used this this argument to justify picking Dorian Williams one year after picking Terrell Bernard to similar players in the sense of size and athletic ability and things like that. How do you see this competition going forward? How do you see uh, what are your expectations for this competition this year? Mm -hmm. You know, the Tremaine stuff's really interesting because I do think that they loved him. I, I think they thought that they valued him as a player. But I think what they've come to learn is their defense as constructed, you know, wasn't getting the job done. And so to keep it intact by paying that massive number to, to Tremaine Edmonds in the middle with, with Matt Milano already getting big money, it just isn't smart roster management. And so I think moving in a different direction and maybe seeing the position in a different way and putting a little bit more value on the coverage piece, like Tremaine Edmonds really good sideline to sideline. He's fast. He can run down guys. But I think you're probably going to be better off with a smaller linebacker that can kind of ping pong around a little bit, kind of like Matt Milano, and can get sideline to sideline and read, read offensive linemen and, and blockers a little bit better. And so I think for me with Dorian Williams, going into it, of course, it makes sense for Brandon Bean to kind of take the foot off the gas pedal and say, we see him as an outside linebacker, you know, play up the fact that he was – in a system at Tulane that was very simplistic and he's got a lot of work to do to learn this this scheme but if you like the the skill set and the traits and what he can be in your defense then I think you figure it out and maybe go away from you know he's always said Sean McDermott has always said that the Mike linebacker in their defense calls it but you have Jordan Poyer who's been back there forever you have Matt Milano who's a veteran of it's going to be his seventh season in this defense maybe you kind of share the the responsibilities a little bit and and let the most talented guy play there especially with what you have to face in the afc with the, some of these other offenses whoever gives you the best chance to defend the passing games i'm much more interested in those answers than anything like that would be predicated on stopping the run or anything like that i think tyrell dotson's probably the safest player in that spot because if he could come in he knows the defense he's a really smart guy he can play multiple spots but i think that the ceiling is potentially much higher with williams got it and how about terrell bernard because i've been on record like oh i'm the president of terrell bernard fun fun club here right but uh <laughs> i really like the, the what i saw from from his college college tape and He's another guy who basically was drafted at the same place as Dorian around pick 80, mm -hmm. 89, I think, and Dorian 91st. So uh, that's a quick guy. And, and I loved what people said about him, him pre-draft, like, oh, he's a leader. He can communicate really well. He's a, a smart guy, lives in the, the film room. So this kind of stuff got me uh, excited about the possibility of him getting a shot right now. And I think since he's older and he's been there one year, maybe Dorian Williams can be uh, in his role to begin his career, like learning the defense and waiting on the wings. And maybe Terrell Bernard can get the shot first. Uh, you you had you have the opportunity to cover the team from uh, very closely. So 
how do you see Terrell Bernard and could you see those traits when when you were there covering the team or not so much? How do you see the, the possibility of Terrell Bernard becoming this kind of leader of the defense uh, like Edmonds was prepared to be all, all his, his period in Buffalo? It always felt like he was trying to get up to speed and everything seemed really big for him at all of the stages, even back going back to training camp. I mean, you saw flashes of all the stuff that they talked about in the scouting process, right? Like his ability, his high level recognition skills, his ability to shoot, shoot the gap, get in the backfield, cause chaos. You see it. You mentioned his tape. I mean, you watch any of those Baylor highlights and the dudes are like flying around, like, you know, making plays. And I think, that's kind of what they're envisioning with him. I don't know if he is quick enough to play the middle linebacker spot only because you have to cover so much ground, but they seem to believe that he can. So if that's the case and he takes a jump from year one to year two, he spent this offseason getting his body ready uh, and being a little bit more ready for the opportunity. And this is another thing I talk about a lot. Think about this. You know, these rookies come in. Right. And it's this massive amount of information that gets thrown at them in a short amount of time from rookie mini camp to the end of training camp. And then like you do all that time and you have all these practice reps and then you do the preseason, which kind of like it, it comes to a peak. And then you're you're basically on the bench until yeah. they need you. And so when Bernard got caught thrown into that game um, a few weeks into the season after basically getting downshifted to special teams responsibilities it's it's not surprising to me that he it was it seemed like it was too much for him and he just was a little bit of a tick behind because you didn't get all those first team reps Tremaine Edmonds Fernando like if I could take you into what it's been like covering the team every single day I was out of practice over the last five years some portion of practice consisted of Edmonds and or Milano over at in front of four trash um uh, trash cans lined up like an offensive line going through the mental reps of the playbook and like, okay, this is the play. This is the offense. This is our defensive call. This is my responsibility. And literally just running through the motions over and over again, the mental reps of it, because when you get out there, you get, you have to be able to react almost like it's second nature, like you're breathing and to ask a guy like Terrell Bernard, who had none of those reps, like early, like once training camp was over, and really even throughout training camp. I mean, Tremaine Evans is still getting all those first team reps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I just think he was at a little bit of a disadvantage. And I, I'm very interested to see how much more comfortable he feels in year two. And if that's the case, sky's the limit. I think he's definitely going to be in the mix there. Awesome. Yeah, that's exactly the reason I, why I, I completely understood when Bean was like, uh, talking about Dorian Williams and say, oh, he's, he's going to start outside, back up to Milan or learn defense and things like that, because it's really kind of unfair to expect a guy coming from college and to be able to just uh, plug him in Edmund's place and go and be the leader of this defense. It's really tough for a rookie third-round guy to be able to do so. We're talking about Edmunds, a guy who, uh, back in the day, Kyle Williams started to... to to make a transition of his leadership role and in the meetings and things like that to Edmonds as a 19-year-old guy and he grew on this role and so how do you replace that so quick so it's kind of difficult to expect Dorman to do so uh, 
uh, a sap like like as soon as he gets to the team. So I I really don't expect him to do so, but who knows? Maybe he can be really impressive early on and and earn this job. I'm really excited to see this competition. And do you see uh, maybe maybe Spector? Or like you talked about Dodson, Dodson is Lauki, a guy who's been developed for quite some years now also, right? Coming out of Texas A&M, if I'm not mistaken, and, and learning the defense and also getting his opportunity. And and that's going to be an interesting competition, right? Yeah, and I think like Dodson to Bean's comments uh, last week when he said, uh, maybe two weeks ago, uh, that he he'd say that Dodson's the leader in the clubhouse right now uh, for that job before they start any of, you know, the off season program. And then, well, they've started the off season program, but I mean like the work here in OTA is coming yeah. up um, and then the training camp. But Spectre is like this fun little wild card because like just the way that he plays, the fact that he spent the entire off season in Buffalo working out at the training facility uh, probably has just a greater understanding of the defense at this point. And so if he comes in and he's blowing their, you know, uh, their hair back with the way that he's out there um, reading, reading keys and uh, getting into the backfield and maybe making some plays in training camp, it wouldn't surprise me if he got the nod. I mean, look at, they, they started a six round draft pick in Christian Benford over their first rounder, Kyer Elam last year. So I don't yeah. think there's anybody in this linebacking group that has the kind of accolades or skins on the wall, if you will, to say that they're the no doubt about it day one starter. I think this is going to be a full, you know, full blown competition for the job. And if Spectre comes in and is obviously sticking out as somebody that can potentially make plays there, I I think they go with them. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Absolutely. I, I've, I think I tweeted it in the past few weeks. About I, I have a, a feeling with Dodson, he just reminds me Angelo Crowell, you know, when we have Takiu Spikes and he uh, he got injured and we needed to replace him and Angelo Crowell got in and played. He didn't play to Takiu Spikes level because it was expecting way too much, but he did his job. He did a good job playing uh, majority of snaps and, and doing a good job at linebacker position. I get this feeling with Dodson. I, I think he, he's pretty capable. I think people... Uh, kind of underestimates his his capabilities. Maybe he's not Tremaine Edmonds. Obviously, we we can't find this kind of player every everywhere. But I think he's a uh, uh, he's better than people give his gives him credit for. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Andrew Crowell, That's a blast from the past. I mean, I just brought up his Pro Football Reference. I mean, he had three really productive seasons, and you yeah. know that those kinds of guys in the in the NFL they they pop up all the time. And, you know, Spectre was somebody that they seemed really excited about when they drafted him, um, getting him where they got him. And everybody's raved about him in the building. I mean, he started games at Clemson. He played big-time college football. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't think that the moment would be too big for him. And he's kind of just been quietly hanging around. I, I know that Matthew Smiley is a fan of what he did last year as a special teams 
uh, player. So we'll see. And then Bernard, the, the, the real X factor for me too, for Bernard, like is the versatility. Like, I don't know what he's going to be in the next three years. Like, you know, I know they're talk, talking a lot right now about Mike linebacker, but when they drafted him, they, there was even some murmurs about him maybe being a safety someday and moving into a different role just because of his body type. I'm, I'm interested to see if he added muscle, if he had a weight, like if he looks bigger, we'll get a, we'll get a look at him here over the next week or two. Um, but that'll be interesting. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's to me, that's the most interesting overall position group to, to kind of watch. I'm also really interested in that right tackle spot, even though I think it's going to be Spencer Brown. I want to see if they bring any more competition there. And then the, what we mentioned, the running backs, like that's that's going to be super fun. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I really think they love Spencer Brown. They've been saying it all off season. And, and, and I don't know if you were there today in Micah Hyde's. Uh, I wasn't, soldier. no. <laughs> no. But Spencer Brown just beat Josh for, for his crown, right? At I the, saw that, the yeah. So at least it seems his back is fine. So it's good to have Spencer Brown enjoying a healthy offseason. Big expectations for him next season. But I'm really curious about uh, uh, Osiris Torrance because that's a guy, If I don't expect Dorian Williams to come in and be a starter right on. But on the other hand, I think Osiris Torrance is really capable of, of being inserted in the right guard spot and, and might be even an upgrade to to Bates, who who a, a guy who I seen like a, a really sound technical guy, but maybe lacks the, the the physical and the athletic ability to be a, an elite guard in the NFL. And with Torres, it's different. Uh, so, how do you see? Do you think Torres can be a plug and play starter early on, and maybe? move Bates to that role where he can be a backup to mostly entire line. That's a really versatile guy out there. For sure. Um, it's a great question. And it's, it's one that like, I have a, a strong stance on, but I, I, I'm nervous in the sense that knowing the bills, you know, mindset about this over the past few seasons and their hesitation to give rookies that big a role early on. But I think this is a completely different situation. I think they're drafting him for a specific reason. Brandon Bean didn't shy away from that when he talked about it. They need somebody that has is a bigger, pow more powerful blocker that can set their anchor, block against powerful defensive tackles. And to me, this is a guy that... He's on. He's almost like the only guy they have in the interior that could do that. Even Mitch Morse, as good as he is, sometimes it feels like he gets a little bit overwhelmed with some of the bigger, you know, uh, nose tackles in the NFL. And so I think Torrance comes in, and I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to that matchup with him and Quinn and Williams, or him and yeah. Chris Jones, and seeing if that's a little bit of a different ending. And I know Connor McGovern probably ends up lining up at left guard. They signed him, although he did play some right guard over the course of his career too. So I don't think there's a you know, everybody seems to think that that left guard spot is right him in pen for McGovern. I don't know. And I know that Torrance played it at right guard as well. But I'll be interested to see where they line guys up uh, when training camp starts. And wherever Torrance ends up, Bates is making some money. McGovern's making some money. It makes sense for both of those guys uh, to maybe end up at a guard spot. But I, I like the upside of Torrance. And I think that they can... Um, let him play early, let him maybe make some of those mistakes early. And if, if things work out, I think you could have a, a really strong piece down the stretch. Absolutely. And 
people here are, are even talking on still on the offense about Shakir. I just missed the question here in the chat, but people, people are curious about Shakir. Shakir has been working with, with uh, he worked with Eric Moulds this offseason. Yep. Uh, I couldn't name a better guy to, to teach a wide receiver, to, honestly. Love me some Eric Moulds. So. Uh, and Shakir also got some, some reps, even from Gabe Davis against Miami in the playoffs. I was surprised to see Shakir getting a lot of snaps early on in, the, in that game in Gabe, Gabe's place early in the game. And, and later on, Gabe started to get more reps again. And I guess the Bengals, Gabe lead the wide receiver group in, in number of snaps. But Shakir might have an, a great opportunity to become an important piece to this offense. And how do you see, how did you see his, his rookie season and the, the expectation going forward for Shakir? I love Shakir's upside in year two. I mean, it's almost like everybody forgot about him. Right, they go out and they sign Deontay Hardy. They go out and they sign Trent Sherfield, and I think both of those guys could mix, can factor into the slot in in some type of way. Right, like Sherfield did a lot of work out of the slot for Miami last year. Kind of reminds you of, hate saying this, but like a poor man's Debo Samuel type of style player. Yeah. Um, and then you got Hardy, who a lot of people want to just throw him into that slot position. But if you go back and watch some of his New Orleans stuff, he played a lot outside too. Like he's not. Yeah. I don't think you could just place him into the slot right away, although I do love the run-after-catch that both of those guys provide. And I think Shakir can be a rack guy too. But again, I think Shakir falls into that pot. He reminds me a lot of Gabe Davis. Obviously a different um, body type, but I more mean like role. Like if you go back to year one, they just ask Gabe Davis to learn every spot, and then where we need him, they're going to throw him in. And I think yeah. that's what the Shakir plan was last year. And then, so I think that's going to continue in year two. And I think he has the chance to establish a role for himself. I mean, with McKenzie gone, I know that Hardy and Sherfield are here, but if I'm Khalil Shakir, I'm looking at it like, all right, I already know this system. I'm coming to training camp with a leg up. I want to be the th number three wide receiver in this offense. And we already know that it's likely that Dalton Kincaid becomes this number two or number three uh, weapon, depending on how you want to shake things out with him and Davis. So it's going to be, they'll be fighting for scraps beyond that. I mean, you're talking about Dawson Knox. You're talking about Hardy, Sherfield, Shakir. There's a lot of mouths to, feel, feel, to feed. And then you talk about the running backs too. You know, Naheem Hines can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's going to yeah. know this system better. James Cook, obviously, that's what they drafted him for. When they talked all about his pass catching ability. So a lot of weapons. I like the different flavors that they've now added for, for Ken Dorsey. And Ken Dorsey's now had eight months to diagnose everything that went wrong, figure out what they want to be, find an identity, set the identity over the next couple of months, and give people specific roles and let guys kind of either earn them or not earn them and then go with the guys that you trust once the game starts. Absolutely. And the great thing about all of this is uh, the number of names that we can bring along here and, and expect something out of it. Because we're, we're not talking about maybe one or two possibilities at the linebacker spot. And if it goes wrong, we are doomed. Or, or the same thing at the wide receiver spot. We talked about Shakir and then Hardy. And we, we didn't mention uh, Sherfield, who's done a great job for the Dolphins last year mm -hmm. and might be able to raise to to uh to earn a, a bigger spot who knows so there are a lot of options and then dalton kinky the first round pick how did you feel about this pick when it made it was made and and how do you feel about his possibilities of contribute contributing right on right now real quick because when you talk about davis 
early, especially early in, in his rookie year, second year, uh, we saw a lot of Gabe Davis being moved inside and helping blocking sometimes, like a kind of a, a, a move tight end uh, in some some situations. And now you have a tight end who, if he's not a great blocker in line, but he's a better blocker than a, a, an Isaiah McKenzie or Cole Beasley in this lot. He's a bigger guy. He, his size alone makes him a bigger, uh, better blocker for a wide receiver than those smaller guys. So how do you see the, the options with Kincaid? Did you like the pick? How are you envisioning his role in year one? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a big role in year one. I, I, I think that if you so wanted to sell me on Kincaid ending up as the number two targeted player in this offense by the end of the season, I'd listen to it. Uh, I still think it's probably going to be Gabe Davis, then Kincaid, maybe then Knox. But who knows? We'll see. I mean, everything's going to have to go right. He's going to have to stay healthy. He had this back injury last year that I think – um, is something that you know we're going to still have to monitor. I know the doctors know it went around to NFL teams, but that's something that you know people are going to be talking about. If he takes a big hit, uh, how does he handle it, uh, and so on and so forth. So that's going to be a talking point. But as asking me if I like the pick, yeah, I think that the Bills had to find a way to be more diverse and more find more answers when things aren't going right. And that was Stefan Diggs's biggest complaint at the end of the season is that you know. They were winning games, but the offense was just too hard. They didn't have enough easy buttons. And especially when teams started to re really shading over to his side and trying to take him out of the game, Brandon Bean has even talked about it the last couple of weeks. It's like, all right, if, if teams want to take digs out of the game now, they're going to have to deal with all these different variations of what this offense can be. And I think Kincaid is one of the most exciting parts of that. Um, I agree with one of the commenters here that he's probably going to end up being your starting slot receiver uh, more so yeah. than tight end too. And, and I think the, so we'll see a lot of 12 personnel because of the position that he plays, but I think that 12 personnel is going to look different than most teams is 12 personnel because of the, the limitless potential of him as a pass catcher. I mean um, I think in a lot of ways, like we've seen over the years, like the chiefs use two tight ends. Um, I can, you can you never remember their names, right? They're, they 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 roll twelve personnel, and I, I think they've had three or four other tight ends that I can never remember their name. But to me, Travis Kelsey is what you're talking about—that move tight end that doesn't yeah. really play like a tight end because of the you know the plays that he's able to make and the routes that he's able to run. I know it's very crazy to compare anybody to Travis Kelsey because he's a unicorn, and you know it's. But if you could find a player that plays that kind of role in your offense, maybe not at that same level, man, this offense then all of a sudden becomes really scary. And so I think that there's a lot of upside for Kincaid in this offense. And I think they're going to feel the pressure to give him opportunities because they traded up to get him. There's already been questions about how they use Kyrie Elam last year after trading up to get him. And I don't know if they want to go through that again and be in a situation late in the season where – you almost wonder if they even trusted the rookie cornerback to put him out there. And I think you could get, you could throw all of that out the window if you just get them on the field and let them go through their growing pains earlier in the season. Absolutely. I would love to see that. And 
we need him ready for the playoffs, not him ready for week one, probably. So I hope he can be used. And just like you said, Matt, the 12 personnel sometimes going to look exactly uh, exactly like our 11 personnel <laughs> because Kincaid will be the, the slot guy and maybe just a big slot guy. Remember who, who uh, how we used to have uh, Dave Nelson as our slot wide receiver? That's a big wide receiver, big slot guy who played a lot of snaps uh, uh, as slot for us. So Kincaid uh, can bring some of those stuff uh, to this office. Carl Thoman with super chat here. Thank you, Carl. And he's asking, do you think that running game will take off if the likes of Cook, Murray, Harris running the right side behind Morse, Torrance, Brown, and maybe this big slot guy helping with blocking if the defense goes small with Nico uh, defense? Do you see our, our running game finally taking off? Yeah, I think that this is going to be a much more uh, dynamic and diverse running game. And I think that, you know, they went out and they got players that, you know, they, that Aaron Cromer likes, that he trusts. Like a wild card in all of this is David Edwards, who, you know, was played on the Super Bowl team a couple of years ago for the Rams, had a really, really nice season and comes over as a very versatile piece, is kind of like, he's different than McGovern. And McGovern had this really great season last year as a pass blocker. But as a run blocker, is really bad. I know this. Uh, Carl's asking about the right side. We'll see what that ends up looking like. But I yeah. think they have a lot of competition potentially for some of those interior spots. I don't think that I'm not, I'm not putting Edwards in the mix to maybe win one of those jobs right now. I know he's gone through some concussion issues, but there is a solid understanding of what Cromer wants, and that's to me is going to get him maybe into the mix. But I also think Torrance. If he ends up at right guard, one of the benefits of getting a guy that's a little bit more of uh, you know, maybe not the athletic profile, the mobility of some of these other guys like Spencer Brown and Mitch Morse, he's playing with Spencer Brown and Mitch Morse. These guys are going to be able to show him a little bit of the tricks of the trade when it comes to how to get out in space and maybe even at his size, do that a little bit more, move and, and pull and um, get out and try to like just knock guys' heads off and open up holes in the run game. There's some fun opportunities from my perspective to be able to do some of that stuff, depending on where they end up lining him up. Absolutely. Can't wait, man, to see this team. Uh, and just like you said, OTAs are about to happen, rookie mini camps, and there are a lot of exciting things to 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 see and to to follow during this, this preparation for next season. Matt, I don't want to take too much of your time, 45 minutes already. I really appreciate you taking your time to... Uh, to being with here uh, with us today, especially not just Bills Mafia in the U.S., but especially Bills Mafia in Portuguese-speaking countries and Latin America, and especially here in Brazil. So I really appreciate And You told me off-screen that you've been here for a couple of days for a UFC event in Sao Paulo, but couldn't enjoy. Do you are you are you a, a soccer guy? Who do you watch any soccer games, or do you have any soccer teams you root for? Um, so I was actually just talking about this last night. I am not a soccer guy. Um, okay. I've tried several times. I played the FIFA video game for a couple yeah. of years there to try to get myself into it. Uh, but I just never understood. I used to work with a guy that was a huge Manchester city fan. And Got so it. I would always root against them to give him a hard time. But, uh, no, I don't have a soccer team, but I do want to experience a soccer game at Brazil. And Bernardo and the boys have, have told me a couple of the clubs that I have to be studied up on. 
I don't know what Bernardo told you, okay? But I want to show you your your Brazilian team now, okay? Oh, okay. Okay, it's going to be Botafogo, okay? Yeah, that's Botafogo. his squad. That's yeah, his that's, squad. that's the team who's leading Brazilian championship right now. Four Let's wins go. in four games, okay? And we are the good guys because Flamengo is like the Patriots, you know? They are the shitters and the bad guys. And Botafogo, <laughs> we are leading the championship right now. We okay. have a, an American owner, okay? We have an okay. American owner, so you have the connection. Okay. Right? And we are with four wins in four games leading the championship. It's a team from Rio. So when you come to Brazil, you can go to Rio, watch a, a Botafogo game. And Bills Mafia, we have some Botafoguenses in Bills Mafia too. So we can take you there to watch a Botafogo game and root for, for a Brazilian team, okay? I love it. I love it. I can't wait. We got to set this up in the next year or two. Uh, I'm going to get it on the calendar. I'm going to come down. We'll do the uh, we'll do the Brazilian experience and we'll do the soccer game. I, I have a feeling that Bernardo is going to be mad at me. Okay, but I'll wait and see. I don't think he agrees with my my choice of team for you. But so he does like that team, and I think a couple of his buddies are Flamingo fans. Oh, a little bit of uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. back and forth about it. So, yeah. yes, yeah. I, I think that's the team. Flamengo is Patriots. I don't know. I don't know if Bernardo is Fluminense or Botafogo. But Botafogo is the right choice, okay? Okay. And if you say, if he's, somebody says something, you say, oh, look, they are the top of the table. They are unbeaten. So, Fernando got me the right team. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> man, thank you so much, man. Thank and, you, man. Oh, but fire is like Botafogo means. Oh, but okay. Fire in English, okay. So that's the. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Okay, so I, I'm actually I, I already made Anthony Marino and Greg Thompson and and uh, Anthony Proharska. Everybody's Botafogo now, okay. So I'm, okay. I'm bringing a new fan base out of America. So right. we will be part of that. Thank you so much, Matt, for being here. I will continue a little bit in, in Portuguese so I can translate some of this stuff. But I really appreciate you taking your time to be here with us today and leading the chat, talking some views. Had a blast, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me and go Botafogo. There we go. Let's go, go. Botafogo and go Bills. Thank you, man. <laughs> See you. Take care. Uh, American fan base, thank you so much for being with us in this leading the chat today. I'm going to continue in Portuguese a little bit, translate some of the stuff to Brazilian and, and Portuguese speaking countries so people who couldn't understand what we talked uh so far we'll be able to do so i really appreciate you taking your time to be with us in the leading the chart and next tuesday i'll be back uh but in portuguese with artur murta talking bills next sunday i will be back with greg thompson here okay talking bills uh and in english obviously so you're invited to be part of it hit that like button don't leave without subscribing to buffalo rumblings channel you can also subscribe to my own fernando shimudi's channel and thank you so much for being with us today.